today. I thought we were in rainy season. This is crazy. Like, we, this is going on our 20th year here, I guess, now 20. Man, I can't remember a dry season lasting this long. I, I remember, like, the June 6th or so. But, man, we're at the 11th already, right? Holy schmolies. More time to get work done. But it is hard. I'm... You know, I think we should not do money for an air conditioning system. I think we should all put our money in and start doing church in the pool. Yeah. We'll dig a pool and we'll just have a big pool and we'll just do church in the pool. You guys good with that? No? Walagun? No. Because what happens if someone pee in it? Pool, I have chlorine or something to kill off that. <laughs> so good. So good. Hey, new chairs. That awesome? Sitting in some new chairs. Praise the Lord. So that, that is a huge blessing from Sam, Sam and Elaine. There's 40 more coming. Here's what I like about it is we don't, with the chairs that we have, and then these chairs, we don't have to rent anymore. I'm sure the rental companies won't like us, but that's okay. We don't, we're beyond that now. So this is praise the Lord. And next we're going to get some really good round tables and as we build this up and rocking and rolling. I pray that all of your week has, your weeks have been good. Um, Family's healthy and good to go. Um, I pray, you know, it's just awesome. I really didn't follow much of the news this week, so I can't rant too much about the news. I just... I decided I need a little bit of a break from that, watching that foolishness that's taking place. I did, I did like this one bit of information, though I did follow. It was funny. So in the state of California, they're in this massive heat wave right now. So the state of California, right, is the, them in New York are the two greenest states in the United States, meaning they're all about solar power and all that stuff, Right. So the state of California said this week, because it's so hot, they had to tell everyone who has an electric vehicle that they can't charge their electric vehicle and drive it to work because it's deleted, the system can't handle, they don't have enough electricity to charge the vehicles and the air conditioning and run the water system and all. It's such a joke. And the reality is, here's what's funny about that. They're burning more fuel to run the power plants to charge the electric car than it would be for all the electric car owners to just have a gas-powered car and use that gas at the, from the pump. You think of it, it's crazy, man. So when people start talking to you about the greenness and all that hocus pocus, know this. Those politicians that are talking trash and want you to go green, green, there's a big difference between going green and protecting the environment. Let's make this clear, just a public service announcement for all of us here at church. Protecting the environment means let's not pour oil and trash and debris in our rivers. Let's not, you know, throw all that that destroys the environment. Don't mistake that with green energy. You're not protecting the environment with green energy. Here's why. Those batteries have a lifespan. And the batteries that are in the, the cars that have a lifespan, when they go away, they can't just be recycled like a regular battery. They have to be taken to certain sites. Belize does not have that site. So the taxpayers, we're gonna get hit with a real crazy bill here because they're gonna have to put those on a ship and they're gonna have to take them to a location in America or somewhere in Central America where they store these batteries for the rest of all of our lives, your children's lives, your children's lives, because they become contaminants. And also in that area, you cannot drink the water or use the soil because it contaminates everything. So this whole green energy crap is exactly what it is. Now I'm all for solar, I'm all for that stuff, but listen to me. This green energy, when it's pushed by politicians, know this, the politicians are making money to push it. Just like the doctors are making money from pharmaceutical companies to take those pills. Now, I'm not against you taking medicine, but know that the ploy, it's what we've been talking about in Peter, so know the ploy that's being taught against us. And this is our being brought against us. 
And know how good God is to us to let us know that this is, this is happening. But this, this thing that seems new to us isn't really new. It's what Satan's been doing for the entire existence of mankind. Psychological warfare. And we get caught up in it. And we get nervous. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today as we just move on. And I had several people, Franz, I'll call out Franz, my good buddy. One of the leaders here at Boneville said, hey, it's hot today. We need to be done at 12. That's what he said. So 12 o'clock it is, Franz. For every minute I go over, Dave and Debbie are going to buy cold drinks for everybody. Right? So there we go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So... Last week we left off with husbands, we kind of hammered on you, but we're going to talk a little bit now with Christians. <clears throat> Finally, all of you, Lord, open our hearts to your word. We love you, and in these end of days, Lord, we are grateful. We're not afraid, we're actually excited. Open our hearts, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Here's some practical living for you and I. It's practical. Now note this. We're going to talk a little bit about what suffering is and what it looks like. But note note that we live in a world right now where it's everyone else's fault. So, oh, little babies. So I was talking to somebody this week, and they were saying, somebody in ministry, and they they came to me and they said, hey, I have an issue, I have a hard time sometimes with prophetic words for people because people just want to have the answer. And so it's, it's difficult. And I said, let me, let me just say something to you. I'm, I'm practical when it comes to this. The reason why they just want an answer from you, they want you to tell them what to do. Because if I, as a pastor, tell you what to do, what you're trying to do is give your free will to me limited only for this one question. Stay with me now. But I can't take your free will forever because that is the one thing that you were born with and it's a gift from God. Free will is the most powerful, dangerous thing that mankind has, free will. God has never taken it from you, nor will he ever. You've heard me talk about this. It it cracks me up when pastors stand up behind the pulpit and take the free will of their congregants. Who, that is like that guy taking Jesus, taking God, tell him to get off the throne, and I'm going to sit on the throne. So what happens here is a person comes to tell me what to do. Now, I could give you advice on what to do, but I can't tell you what to do. Because if I give you advice to it, you're going to have to exercise what? Your free will. And you're going to choose or not choose. It is not up to me what you choose. You understand? But when a person comes to somebody and says, wants to in limits, give away their free will, saying, tell me what to do, here's what they're doing. So this is a guard for you, too, for all of our hearts. Right? God, have you ever done this to God? Watch this. God, just tell me, just, just make me do it. You ever done that? Here's the danger. When we don't understand the gift of free will and we begin to exercise the free will in that limited base like that, where I I have it, but I'm giving a little bit away and not, it's super selfish and here's why. It's because if you give away your free will and do what I tell you to do, when it doesn't work, here's a subliminal part of it, when it doesn't work, who are you going to blame? You're going to blame me. You see, but you go, oh, yeah, because it was bad advice. Or was your free will and your choice of free will, were you manipulating it so you knew that you wouldn't be responsible for the decision you made? Now, that's scary, right? Think about that. Whoa. And in most cases, people want to give away their free will so they don't have to be responsible for their actions. Plain and simple. You see what I'm saying? And it's so often because people will come to me and go, well, pastor, you did that or you taught that or this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, great. 
But I'm not going to take that burden on me. It's not the burden I'm supposed to carry. Because I will never, nor do I want your free will. I don't want it. And here's the deal. The moment you begin to, I believe this, the deeper I go into the word and the older I get, people who try and take the free will of other people are, are, they're antichrists. They really are. I'm not calling them the devil, but they have the spirit of the antichrist. Why? Because they are trying to remove God from the throne and they want to sit on it and be a God to you. Now, don't confuse this with parenting your children. Right? What do I do with my kids? Oh, stop. Stop. You have a set of rules in your home. If your child exercises their free will to not live by the rules of your home, there's consequences to, those, to their choice. You see what I'm saying? And little, little kids, they have no idea yet. You just got to guide them and love them. We clear with that little something, something going on here. <clears throat> so as we go into this, this is what I want to talk about. <clears throat> because this is what, this part right here, what's, what we're going to talk about now is going to be a complete sacrifice of you exercising your free will for kingdom and not you. This is difficult. It is difficult. Why does God let this stuff happen on this earth? Well, ask yourself the question of, then why did God give you free will? God's not letting it happen. People murder people because they choose their free will to do that thing and be guided by something other than God. But make no mistake, there's consequences for those actions. And the consequences on this earth are nothing compared to the consequences of eternity outside of the presence of God where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness. It, it, it's just crazy. So here we go. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. The body of Christ should be of one mind. Okay, now watch it. I'm going to just I'm gonna throw, throw this at you. I'm going to trip you out a little bit. The moment I say you should be of one mind, you automatically go to your individualism. One mind. My mind should be like his mind. His mind should be like his mind. My mind. Wait a second. I have different likes. I like pickles. I don't like pickles. I like ice cream. I don't like ice cream. You see what I'm saying? But we need to look at this. All of us should be of one mind. Who is the head of the church? Christ. Who is the, what is in the head? the mind. All of us should be in one mind. All of us gathered here who love Jesus Christ, regardless of our food likes, our political choices or whatever, should be in one mind. The mind of Christ. Everything, it's really not difficult. Everything is always all about Jesus. He is the head of the church. So he says, finally, all of you should be in one mind. Like we should be doing everything we can to think like Christ. Are we going to do that all the time? No, because we're imperfect. But that's why the cross and the shedding, it, beautiful. Sympathize with each other. Sympathize. Some people are further along in this gig than you are. And don't fool yourself by thinking age makes you further along. Because I know brothers, I know people in the Lord that have been in the Lord for 30 years. And I see a young believer that's been following Jesus for five years who is far more mature than the one that's been going to church for 30. So we want to sympathize. Now here's the deal. When I sympathize with you, I'm not lording over you. I sympathize with where you're at. I sympathize with the difficulties you're going through. You know, yesterday I was driving, I had a bunch of stuff, we're trying to get back here, and been in meetings, and I was just overwhelmed by brokenness yesterday. By everywhere I looked, I just saw brokenness. You know what I mean? People are hungry, people are hurting, there's children carrying kids around, and, I'm, and the laws of this country are jacked up. In my opinion, we should pass a law that any person, any person, any girl in this country under the age of 15, 
under the age of 15, if she gets pregnant, it's a rape charge. Automatic rape. We should do it like they do in Honduras, and it's a minimum 18-year prison sentence for the person who impregnated that girl. I want you to think about that for a moment. Where, wh what have we become? I'm watching girls who aren't even out of their teens carrying babies, responsible. And so I'm looking at the brokenness, and I'm going, man, Lord, if I had millions and millions of dollars, Lord, I realize it's my free will, but how could we make life better? How could we make life better? Have you guys ever felt that way? You're overwhelmed by it? Now, I realize that being overwhelmed with it, there's solutions. God wants to use us all to it. But the reason why I'm talking about this <clears throat> is to sympathize with it. A lot of times you are dealing with the same things. Maybe it's people in your community. Maybe it's the elderly. Maybe it's education, whatever it is. But people aren't where you're at. But because I'm not where you're at, you need to sympathize where I am at. Does that make sense? Realizing that God is placing something onto you to do that. And so I was sitting there going, yeah, I could start calling everybody and doing more and more and, you know, blah, blah, blah. What can we do to get this done? And I just, I said, Lord, it's just overwhelming. And I felt like he was saying, yeah, it is overwhelming for you, but it's not overwhelming for me. But I, I'm, I'm letting you see. Just letting you see. So sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Why is family so important? Why does Satan go after the family? Why does he want breakdown of family? I'll tell you why. I'll use me as an example. <clears throat> Not having a father in the home and then having an abusive stepfather that liked to get drunk and hit us with two by fours. We had a, what we would call a very dysfunctional family. I did not get along with my sisters. There was no order in our home. My mom was always having to work because the, both fathers didn't pay any child support, so my mom had to raise four kids. Um, it's just a crazy time. So who's raising who? For one, one son and three sisters are trying to raise each other. There's no order in the home. Unless there was something like a grandfather or an uncle there, there was no order. So when people are jockeying for position of power, what do they do? They fight. They verbally attack each other and sometimes physically attack each other. When you have a father that's present in the home, a father that is present in the home makes sure that there is the pecking order is in order in the home. And you find that those siblings typically will grow up loving each other and be best friends of one another. Outside of that, you see discord. You guys tracking here? So the enemy is going after family. Why? Because he wants to sow discord. The proverb says that the seventh thing that God hates is one who, shows, who, who sows discord in family. Hate's a powerful word. And God says, I hate it. It's actually completing what he says of six things. And then he says, no, seven I hate. He gives a list of seven things. The seventh thing that completes it is one who, who sows discord and causes fighting in a family. He's going after Satan here. And there's a lot of people that partner with Satan. So when he talks here about love each other as brothers and sisters, some of you that have never had that real love, when it says that, it's very difficult because you automatically relate, relate back to your home. If your home was broken, maybe you had a brother that hurt you sexually or physically, or a sister or a mother, it is very difficult to love because you're trying to view it from worldly eyes. And then some pastor comes up here and reads the word and says, Peter says to us through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to love each other as brothers and sisters. But the only love that you know as brothers and sisters is a heated argument type of love. Am I hitting something? Everyone got real serious here for a moment. <clears throat> so what we have to do is then begin to look at this and realize 
that we have to begin to look at with spiritual eyes instead of worldly eyes. That's why he opened up this little part of the letter as we all must be of one mind. Now it starts to make sense, huh? When you break down the Bible how it's supposed to go, it starts to make sense. Why does he want us as one mind? Because only with the mind of Christ can I love you ladies in here as sisters and not objects of fantasy. And likewise, ladies with the men in the room. You begin to look at each other as brothers and sisters in the mind of Christ. You guys tracking this now? It's actually using your free will to take your individuality to put it in the gifter of individuality and think as he thinks. And then being able to, like a master paint, painter, paint a picture with your life where you're one with Christ, but you have multiple aspects and colors of tapestry. Does that make sense? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Some of you are like, what the heck is this dude? Jack's over there going, oh, this is, I like this deep thought stuff. Some of you are like, man, I had a rough night, man, pastor. <laughs> Some of you, this is opening up wounds. Because you're going, I don't know how to love anyone in this room like a brother and sister. I only love people in this room like a brother and sister when I see them, not outside of it. Because you don't know how to do it. It's never been an example to you. It's okay. There's healing in it. But it's the pursuit of Jesus that creates the one mind that brings us in. Watch, he goes on. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. So often people in leadership or those of us who perceive that we know more than others, we lose our humility really fast and we become very prideful. We begin to tell people, well, you don't know what I know. That may very well be the truth. A lot of people know way more than me. And I may, may know more than other people, but what he's saying here, as we as followers of Christ... We need to be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. The proverb says, pride cometh before the fall. A humble, a person that doesn't have that attitude, it's very dangerous, <clears throat> super dangerous. So humility is important. Here's something that I've always done. It, it cracks me up. I've been like this. I've taught this to my family. <clears throat> the moment anyone comes to me and go and says this, I kind of shut off and quit listening to them. When someone comes to me and goes, I humbly come before you, brother, they're not humble anymore. I lose what they're saying. I realize they're trying to manipulate me. And so I go into the anti-manipulation mode. Does that make sense? With humility, I come before you, brother. Huh? You just, what? That's false humility. That's pride. You want something from me. And so a lot of times people will go, man, you're mean, Pastor John, because the moment someone says that to me, I'll go, what do you want? I don't even want to listen to you anymore. Just tell me what you want. They start to tell a story. No, 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 no. I don't need to know the long way. Just tell me what you want. Why? Because there's no humility in what they're saying. You guys track it? It's a true statement, man. I'll stand before you in humility as a pastor. Oh, my gosh. Be careful, words are powerful, right? So listen to this, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Be tenderhearted towards people. It goes with that sympathy, knowing that other people are going through difficult times. It's funny to me is that when somebody's going through a difficult time, when they're not going through a difficult time, you ever done this? You're not going through a difficult time. Someone else is going through a difficult time and you say, yeah, it looks good on them, man. They deserve that because, you know, <clears throat> I don't have time for them. I warned them before not to do that, blah, 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 blah. Have you ever noticed that when that person then is going through a difficult time, they're like, no one loves me, man. This church is unloving. The people of God, I'm going to fight. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe it's been you. Because it's been me in the past. It rolls back to this. Keep a hun uh, be tenderhearted towards people. Say, hey, you're going to make it through. You're going to make it through. Now, the disclaimer on this is I will never condone your sin. Not going to condone. You come here because you're having an affair with somebody. Don't come to the pastor thinking that I'm going to condone what you say. But I am going to be tender hearted towards you, like, hey, brother, you need to stop what you're doing. 
It's hurting everybody, but I will not tolerate this. We can't do it. You understand what I'm saying? With a humble heart. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. That's hard for me, man. I've got a silver tongue. Dude, I can just pow. I can throw stuff at you, man. It's a gift. I don't even have to work at it. It's a gift. It's like sinning. Have you ever noticed, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have to practice sin, and I'm always an expert in it. <laughs> like, I have to practice and exercise the gifts that God gives me. I have to study the Word, and it takes hard work. But when it comes to sin, I can pick up where I left off. It ain't like riding a bike, man. You know, after you haven't ridden a bike for 20 years, you try to get on and you fall off? It ain't like that, man, with sin. You don't have, you just, it's just, you're good at it. Right? Golly. Right? Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to the prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And know this, those who do evil, justice is there. Justice is there waiting, okay? So don't, don't retaliate. What's God called you to do? One of the greatest things that you could do to people, honestly, I'm not talking about someone robbing your house. I'm not talking about any of that crap, all right? I'm talking about people within the body here and people on the outside that do these stupid things. You know, we had one time a guy came and he stole from us a lot, $4,000, and then he came, and it was just kind of a, it was a weird deal. And then he came back here, and he was hurting. And I so bad wanted to go, you owe me four grand, you freaking charlatan. I know what you did, you know what you did. And I knew that he was hurting, and I just said, we made a decision as a family to buy some rice and beans and medicine for his family and we heaped it on him. That dude has never come back here again. You know why? Right here. God has blessed us with it because he won, he's always nagging, he's complaining about everything. But we paid him back with a blessing. And until he gets right with God, the blessing haunts him. It's a fact. The blessing, it's, it's out of my hands now. Now it's up to you and the Lord. Because I blessed you. He wanted me to bring up the other, I'm sure, so he could go away and talk about bad about Mr. John, Pastor John. That damn machaca. Right? But blessed him. And it's been 15 years. 15 years. It's okay to bless people. Now, People that are hurting you, you know, physically and that, you got to have to take a step back, and that's by guidance of the Holy Ghost. Never going to let someone, I would never, you know, counsel have anyone ever be stuck in a toxic relationship, meaning toxic is very physical or demeaning or anything like that. So, yeah, defend yourself. The Bible's clear on that. But it's these little things that even divide the body, you know. I've never seen this person ever come set up chairs. That person, but they're always here, blah, 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 blah. And you heard about it? Bake them a big old plate of cookies. Say, I was thinking about you today. That's thinking about you. Here's some cookies. We love you. Man, it will silence them. They don't know what to do with it. And then they have to wrestle with God. It's a beautiful way to handle these little issues in our lives. Now, going, moving on real quick, here we go. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? Man, that question has haunted me for years, because it is a question. Who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? Most, most of the time, if you're doing good for other people, people will leave you alone. 
But here's the deal, it's not always the case. And so Peter writes here, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Okay? Now, this is leading, I believe, yeah, it has to do with some of our neighbors and different people that don't believe in Jesus, but I believe it's, in my, as I've studied this, I believe it's veering back and he's recapturing the main thought of this letter, which is the government, those in leadership that are beginning the persecution. Stick with me and I'll get to it. I'll show you. Instead, he says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. <clears throat> so, you have threats. People threaten you. Man, I get that all the time. Ooh, we'll take this from you. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't know. Like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I worship Jesus. And so when I begin to get anxious about something, I remember that I worship Jesus and you have to go through him first. You want to do something to me? It has to go through him first. I'm good with it. If, he, if, if my time on this earth is over, make, make no mistake about it. If my time on this earth is over, it's because God said so. You didn't get a say in it. But you will... If you do it, you know, with ill, evil intent, my guardian angel will bring the pain on you. <laughs> and then after that, the Lord's going to. Honestly, I believe that. He's going to bring it. But make no mistake about it. When they cast these, you, you're doing something as a believer, and then all of a sudden, those of you who are fighting for certain things, and I'm telling you, you're going to get the witch doctors from Guatemala coming over and hoogly boogly boogly boogly. And they're going to come over and they're going to throw crap on you. I've had that for years done against me. Look, man, let me tell you this. One time I, I had a witch doctor because working with all the youth. So he put this curse on me and hexed me and I was going to die. And I was in here playing basketball with a bunch of youth and I broke my ankle. The youth were paranoid. We're at the hospital and they're freaked out. They're all, it's beginning. The, the witch doctor's curse is beginning. Oh, and I stopped them all and I said, listen to me. I was playing basketball. I stepped on Rigo's foot. I twisted my ankle and broke it. It has nothing to do with some friggin' dumb witch doctor. You understand me? It has nothing to do with that. Why? Because he has no authority in this house. Every black art, veil, and all that crap, I pray against it every morning. Everything that's brought against me, I pray against it. Band of Brothers, we have a prayer that is biblical that we pray against it. Every sorcery, witchcraft, whatever, yeah, bring it, cast it, whatever. I'm not going to live in fear from you. Your idle words. So when the government comes and throws idle words at you, threats of intimidation, your neighbors, threat, who cares? Right? Here's why. Watch this. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Aren't you worried? Aren't you worried? No, because Christ is in control. And this all has to play out the way it is. I'm going to be concerned about certain situations and I'm going to have a plan in place. But I'm not going to let this dictate how I live my life. Screw that. I will not let them be bigger than they are. The thing that I think about the most is the thing I worship. So therefore, if I am thinking about what someone else is going to do to me, I am worshiping evil of the intent of their heart. But if I'm worshiping Jesus and he is the Lord, then I'm keeping him in perspective and that others will be thwarted. Right? If you live with that person, just put more salt in their food. I don't know. I mean, you, you know. Watch this. <clears throat> but do this in a gentle and respectful way. When people ask me about my faith, <clears throat> I've changed over the years. There are times I have to be point blank with certain guys like, hey, man, if you don't change your way, hell is what awaits you. But through reading of Scripture, I mean, and that's pretty point blank, but through Scripture and through reading this, I've changed over time. God has softened me a little bit with the understanding, and it goes against. I have to exercise my free will to be this way with my personality, but I have to exercise it to be able to say, 
I, I need to be a little bit more gentle and respectful to the individual where they're coming from because I don't know exactly where they're coming from and I don't know the pain they're coming from. I was speaking with a soldier one time and, and we, he actually accepted the Lord, but when we began to talk about the importance of attending fellowship like this, here's what happened. He was like, yeah, church is a scam. Well, the church, we're the church, not this building. And he started really ripping into the church. And I went, whoa, 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 wait a second. Now, part of me inside was like, dude, you have no freaking clue. And you have, you've admitted to me you've never stepped inside of a church and now you're bashing it. You, my, my flesh wanted to say, you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. But the Lord had to take a step back and go, whoa, 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 man. What happened with the church? But see, the guy's genuine. He wants to... He wants to have a marriage that lasts for 50 years with his wife because he's talking to me about it. It's a 12, they're 12 years in. He doesn't think they're going to make it with his profession. But he wants to be married. Like he's mesmerized that Lisa and I have been married for 30, at the time 33 years. And he said, I want to be married to my wife at least 33 years. How do you do it in what we do? So we began to talk. And then he started going ranting on this thing. And I said, my, like I said, I want to go, whoa. And then I stopped. I go, yo, yo, yo. Tell me what about, what happened at church? What, 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 I don't get it. My mom and dad, I went, okay, here we go. My mom and dad went to a church. They started having marriage problems. And then that bastard of a pastor started sleeping with my mom. You guys tracking with me? Those are his words. Do you think their marriage lasted? No. As a child, as a young boy, a six-year-old boy, what's his view of the church? He views that pastor as the church, as a very direct representative, as almost as God himself. So I had to step back and go, man, there's a lot of broken, jacked-up dudes in the church, but they're not God. And it led us down a little bit of a road. And in, within 20 minutes, he's given his life to the Lord. And we planned a new, a new church setting for him. Told him to get together with some of his buddies and have a barbecue. Invite their families together. Read a couple verses and talk about them. Don't we need like those crazy singer people in there and some dude like you to like stand up and bore us? Like, no, you don't. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there amongst you. Dude, the countenance in the dude, this is a hardened dude. The countenance just changed. Changed because I came to him respectful, right, and gentle. Oh, my flesh wanted to just tear into him. But once I figured out where he was coming from, it made a lot of sense. And had I come that way, I would have just been the same guy that slept with his mom. Right? This is what he's talking. How do we live life here? And if someone asks about your Christian hope, and he says, do this and this, keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. This is important. <laughs> Don't cheat people. Don't cheat people. Listen, man. Woody can tell you friends, people here, all of us that have spent time together, there is times that we could have gotten over on people. There's times in business dealings that I could get over on people. And inside I'm like, do it, do it, do it, because the game. But there's something about the Holy Ghost that lives in you that says, no. And then you explain to him, I'm sure like Woody's thought I'm, his dad's an idiot at times because I'll stop somebody and go, all right, let me tell you how I would do it so that you don't lose money. Because if you do it the way you're doing it, I'm going to win and you have to live by the contract. I would do it like this. Now, some people would go, you're a fool. You're a fool. You could have saved a bunch of money, but I would not have had a clear conscience. Because God gave me the ability through education or through a situation to have 
wisdom and, and understanding of a situation that I was intended to share with another individual so that their family won't be hurt, but I exercised it for the gain and benefit of myself. Now, if that dude's a fool and doesn't want to listen to it, okay, I'll take it. You're the idiot. This is what it's talking about with a clear conscience here. Keep your conscience clear. Someone wrongs you and they gossip about you, go talk to them. Just go talk to them. Hey, I heard, you know, we were talk, you said something to me. I had that with a pastor here. That dude never comes around here anymore either. Hey, I hear that you said that I'm a five-point Calvinist. That's interesting. Because if you understand anything about Calvary Chapel and the upbringing where I come from, we are like anti-five-point Calvinists. As a matter of fact, I could tell you all the reasons of why you shouldn't be a tulip. The five-point Calvinist tulip. You see what I'm saying? He's like, oh, uh, uh, uh. I said, oh, so you must have been speaking about someone else. It wasn't me. Right? The guy hasn't talked to me again. Why? Because my conscience is clear. I could hold a grudge against the guy and be bitter, or I could just go address the situation. Guys, your conscience, conscience is important. It allows you to sleep at night when it's clear. When it's clean, you can sleep. When it's not, you ain't sleeping good. Now, this is where I believe it rolls back. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if it is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. There are times that God is going to ask me to do things that I'm going to have to make the hard right over the easy left. And in that hard right, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to pay the consequences for stepping on the toes of maybe a government official or speaking my mind about something. But I'm, God has called me to do it, and I will get hammered for it. There was times even here, as a pastor, that I spoke out against the, the denomination that we're from. And I got lambasted by multiple pastors. Some of you were here during that time. And the Lord told me to be silent in it. And I was getting lambasted. I got blackballed. I couldn't even go on our Bible college's campus. Think about that. For something I didn't do, but I spoke up against. And after about six years, it all went away, and then all, you know, a lot of guys came back and were like, oh, man, we're sorry, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. But here's what he's talking about. I believe that you have to understand that Peter, during this letter, there is the most evil guy on the planet named Nero. And Nero is coming to people, and he's offering bribes, and he's saying, hey, friends, if you do this for me, I'll make sure that you don't have to pay the taxes on your land over there because you work for me, and I'll make sure my people, the Romans, and you as a, I'll just let you do your church thing. But this is what I want you to do. If you just do this, like, hey, guess what? You're, you're struggling with your bills right now, so just, it's okay if you let your wife open an OnlyFans page. Because, my gosh, people are making all kinds of money and paying all their bills. It's okay if you just do this, if the government, you guys track what I'm saying? The Bible says here is, remember it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Because when you suffer for doing wrong, one, like what we just talked about, God turns his face from you, but second, Satan piles on. You're not a friend of Satan's. He actually loves the pain and the chaos. <clears throat> and I believe this has to do, like even during the COVID time, when the governments were so globally trying to shut the churches down, and I applaud the pastors and the people in ministry that never did. I applaud them. And a lot of them paid the price. That pastor in Canada, oh my gosh, if you've ever seen the video of that, whipped and beaten and handcuffed and fined tens of thousands of dollars, insane just to keep his church open. Now we all look back and it was a farce. I applaud the man in Pennsylvania that just stood up at an LGBTQ uh, rally and began to quote Bible verses. He wasn't obnoxious. I watched the video. 
wasn't obnoxious, just began to speak Bible verses over the whole thing. Two police officers came up, told him to shut up. He's exercised in America, so he has the First Amendment right. They handcuffed him, arrested him, and threw him in jail. Last night, the judge reprimanded the law enforcement agency and said, you violated his constitutional rights. Oh, my gosh. And the guy, all you see what I'm saying? I applaud those people for suffering for doing good. When approached, like I've shared with you, you tell me, oh, you know what? We want you to do this and this. I won't do it. I will not do it. I will not marry two people of the same sex. I won't do it. You can do what you want to do. It doesn't mean I don't love them. But it goes against everything that I believe. You guys understand what I'm saying? And will I face the consequences of that? Probably someday. You got to be good with it. You, you see, it, it's a choice to exercise your free will for the right thing. Yeah. I've heard of people, some of these ladies making lots and lots of money. Is it worth it on OnlyFans? Is it really? It's not. It's not. I'll say this. If your husband lets you do it, he doesn't love you. He doesn't love you at all. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. To bring you safely home to God, he suffered physical death, but he was raised in the life of the Spirit. I love Peter, man. Peter is always going back to the crucifixion. He's always going back to Jesus and what Jesus did. Like, Hard, 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 but this is why it's so good. Hard, 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 this is why it's so good. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building the boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in, the, in that terrible flood. And the water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God, a clean conscience is effective because of resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, it's all about Jesus. Let me talk about this preaching. He wasn't down there preaching the good news. That word preach, it's when the, the stone was rolled, rolled away and he, he descended into what they call Abraham's bosom. That word preach is the same word that we have for proclaim in the English language. So what was Jesus doing as he stood in Abraham's bosom side and he proclaimed, holding the keys of heaven, the light, all in who he was. And he proclaimed that God's word is truth. And you are looking at the truth. And you will be for eternally in Sheol. While all of them that I stand with in Abraham's bosom will be with me in paradise. So he wasn't preaching for them like some religions say. The preaching to the dead. He was proclaiming truth to those who had gone before that's what peter is saying here it's also a picture for you and i to look at this life with spiritual eyes not physical eyes we live in the physical but you have to begin to see with your eyes that how you live is peering through this in the in the spiritual that i begin to see my gifts and the power of my gifts and i begin to see eternity through my spiritual eyes in a physical body anticipating miracles anticipating salvations and anticipating the day i walk hand in hand and feast and feast with jesus unafraid of that upcoming event but actually anticipating with enjoyment when it comes because on this earth i'm looking now spiritually instead of physically that's baptism that's how we have to train ourselves you ever heard this statement well, I'll believe it when I see it. Pretty common, right? I get what you're coming from, but also in our spiritual world, we've got to start seeing the believe, the anticipation of the miracle that's coming. It's, it's beautiful here. So for all of us BSSMers and guys, it's just, it fits into that. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, baby, that's what I'm talking about. All right, here we go. Come on, hurry in here. I'm hurrying, friends. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God with all the angels and authorities and the powers, and they accept his authority. All right, I want to hit this one because this is a stumbling block for some. 
<clears throat> going into chapter 4 here, we're going to hit this really fast. It says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer. <clears throat> suffer too. For it, if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have, been, you have finished with sin. People are so afraid. This is like, like, okay, now I want you to grasp this for a minute. Yes, they were, had rejected Christ, but I want you to see the love of God that the Jews had, and especially those during the Holocaust. It's what we should have. Though they should have been looking to Christ as suffering for Christ, they were looking at the prophets before them and the leaders before them that had suffered for God at the hands of man. And so they willfully, in those gas chambers and those workforces, suffered physically in the name of God. They were putting away the sin. Now, none of us want to do that. And I talk, man, I'm, you know, get out of it, fight back and all this. But there's a moment that God's going to speak to you like he'll speak to me and say, no, not this time. This time it's for the kingdom, buddy. And it's for a deeper part of the kingdom. And you're going to need to suffer for it. I don't want to. I know. I know you don't want to. Jesus said, Father, is there any other way? I don't think he was afraid of the pain that he was going to come, but he was looking for a way that everyone could come to know Jesus, could come eat at the table. So he asked the question, is there any other way? It's normal for us to ask that same question too when suffering begins to come. Is there another way? Not in this case. Is your mind set for it? With this attitude that Christ had. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. Doesn't mean you're going to, but there's a mindset that switches that you're able to, and you quit chasing your desires, and you begin to do the desires of God for you, your family, and others. Right? Now, here's a, a, a word of warning for all of you in this room, especially men and <clears throat> women. Yes, we want to take care of other people. The Bible is very clear, though, that we take care of our families first. But a lot of people overbalance, overdo that, too, and then forget about everyone else, okay? So there's balance here with the mind of Christ. You don't want to do so much for other people that you neglect your children. Your children in your first ministry. Men, same way. You don't want to do so much for other people that you neglect your wives and your kids. They are your first ministry. But you also can't just focus on them because you are also God's representative in community. And so you have to be able to separate that only with Christ. I can't tell you how to do that. I know how I do it. But we're all different, and I do it by the leading, and you have to do it by the leading. Amen? Okay. Now watch this. <clears throat> you won't spend the rest of your life chasing his own desires, but you will... But you will be anxious to do the will of God. Like, man, I want to do something. I want to do something. For a lot of years, because I didn't understand this, I would feel guilty like I was doing something because I, was, I had an anxious feeling. Now, there's a big difference between anxiety based upon fear and the unknown and anxiety of being anxious to wanting to do more good to advance the kingdom. And I, for years, couldn't, I didn't know how to have, those two were married and so I was confused by my, you guys understand what I'm saying? And then once I was able to see like, okay, why am I anxious? Why do I get up and pace? It's not because I'm worried about the night anymore. I'm worried about those type of things, the loud noises or whatever. I'm not worried about that. I'm anxious about what tomorrow is so that Lord, I want to make sure that those I speak to tomorrow clearly understand the love you have for them that we clearly can crush evil tomorrow. I'm anxious for it. You understand the difference? You have to go before the Lord and separate the two. That's why Satan wants to bring all anxiety is bad. Not all anxiety is bad. There's a good anxiousness right here. 
I'm anxious to love my wife like she's never been loved in 34 years by me in the marriage. I want to take it to the next level. I'm anxious for that. That is a good anxiousness. Desire that. It's a pursuit. Now watch where, what happens here. You've had enough of the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Now here's the deal. You guys hear me all the time tell you, go out and party. Celebrate. Laugh. Pop a cork. Smoke a cigar. Well, this is a contradiction. Wait a second. Let me explain this and we'll close. The devil tries to fool you into believing that laughter and joy and enjoying what God has given us is wrong. Heaven is a celebration. Wine will be in heaven. They'll be dancing and laughing and feasting. That's right, dancing. With wine. Dogs are, all of our dogs, I believe, that died are going to be in heaven. Honestly, I believe that. I do. He's a giver of all that is good. Why would he not? I've had, I grew up in a church where they're like, it doesn't have a soul, therefore it can't be in heaven. No. It's, <laughs> The more I look at it, I go, no, they're in heaven. They don't have to have a soul. They're not me and you. They weren't created in his image like me and you. They were created for our joy. And they're running around barking and having a good time. God's not a cruel God. He doesn't create things to suffer. You see what I'm saying? So you got to look at it like that. Like, oh, me and my horse will be there? I think so. There's enough room. What about my nasty cat that peed everywhere? I don't think so. <laughs> Just kidding. All the cat lovers in here are like, oh my God, that pastor. Immorality is the problem. <clears throat> it's the heart. Let me read what immorality is. It's total, the word immorality is actually meaning this, total debauchery. Unashamed indecency. Unashamed indecency. It means this, unbridled lust, unrestrained depravity. The person with this characteristic has an insolent defiance of public opinion, sinning in broad daylight with arrogance and contempt. That is the word we see in Scripture for immorality. It's not you having a dinner with your friends over and having a glass of wine and laughing together. Feast and enjoy this life. It's the only time, this side of heaven, you're going to be able to do that and invite Jesus into it. You're having a crappy day? Throw a party. When I'm having crappy times, I go out and smoke on the barbecue. No, I'm not kidding you. My family will tell you, there's times they're like, what's dad doing? He's out there on the barbecue. What's he doing? It's hot as blazes. I'm celebrating. You know why? I'm celebrating because I'm tired of seeing death and pain. I'm tired of seeing corruption and evil. And so you know what I'm going to do in my house? As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. <clears throat> and the God I serve is a God of celebration. And he's a God of victory and triumph. So I set our measly table here to the best of my ability to look like in the shadowy mist what that table will be in heaven. And we will crack the wine. And if you want to smoke a cigar, you can smoke a cigar. And we will laugh and not talk about stupidness. We will talk about how good it is right here, right now, and how good those ribs are going to taste. That's how you live this side of heaven. Now, Immorality would be, I'm bringing over all these women, no one's wearing clothes, and we're all getting drunk and falling down, and everyone. That's immorality, right? That is it. That is debauchery. That is not celebrating the Lord at all. Those are the parties that God frowns upon and looks down upon. But when you as a family and friends are together, oh, he's there smiling with you. 
He's enjoying everything that you're doing. Enjoy this side of heaven with him in it. Enjoy it. Why? Because it speaks volumes to this world. How can you do that? Just do. I don't care. Why? Because he's good. I want to leave you this morning with this. He is good. He's not safe. Jesus is not safe. He is good. He takes me into unsafe places and shows me his goodness in the unsafe. Good will always conquer evil. Where he is good and where there is good, there will be laughter and joy. Where it is safe, there will only be happiness and sadness which are depicted by outward circumstances. But good is inward. Joy, laughter is inward. It doesn't happen by outward circumstances. It happens by the presence of God within you. He is good. Enjoy it. Throw a party. Have some fun. Know that you may have to suffer. Some of you may never have to suffer, but I'll tell you, you will not, as I close this right now, as you will never really experience what I'm talking about until you come to the point in your life that you say, I am willing to physically suffer for Christ. You're not saying, you're not giving him the green light because he may not ever ask you to suffer physically, but spiritually you've come to the point where you say you are greater and in more desire to me than anything else. And I am at the point where if I have to, I will. You watch how your life changes with God. You watch. And suddenly you want to throw parties. Try this. You having a bad day? Throw a party. Throw it. Even if it's just with a couple people. What are you doing? Hey, I got some burgers on the barbecue, man. You want to come over? Yeah. What are you doing? We're going to have a good time. Huh? Okay. And then you hang up the phone and say, like I say, that's weird. But let's go. Can we have bourbon? Yeah. Cigars? Yeah. Okay. It's a party. Let's go. Guys, we are the difference in this world. And never before as this world is getting closer and closer to the end and the more evil that we see and the more you see how important this is for us to be the light of the world. Never before is this type of attitude more important than right now in the history of mankind. You need to ask you. You got to give them a reason to ask why you're happy. If you look like they look, they're not going to ask you what hope you have in you. But when the crap is hitting the proverbial fan... And you're throwing a party. Why? Why do you do that? Let me tell you why. You may not have any money. Hey, Mr. Buna, I don't have any money. So therefore, I don't have any meat. But I need to have a party. You got any meat? I only have hot dogs. Awesome. I have tortillas and salsa. Okay. Can I call somebody else? Yeah, call somebody else and tell them to bring something. We're going to party tonight. Give the world a reason to ask you why you're different. That's what it was just talking about. Amen? Gracious Father, we love you. I thank you. Lord, we even thank you for this heat. Thank you for the few extra days to get work done. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. uh, Just bless them, Lord. Lord, may we have your attitude of celebration. May we just enjoy it and not stress over it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, for those of you that are party, part, part, per, like Lisa, for those of you that are perfection partiers, you know what I'm talking about? There's some of you who are perfection partiers. You know what I'm talking about. You're one of them, too. Everything just has to be in order. It has to be, oh, the guests are all number one. It's okay. But don't stress over that. 
don't stress over it. Just celebrate one another. You know what I'm saying? And it's good, and I enjoy it because I love having all the cool stuff out and all that stuff. But if you've ever been to my house, if I'm throwing the party, it's really, it's just like a, there's an ice chest over there. Grab what you want. I'm not serving you. There's food over there. If you ask me more than once if you can have something, I just look at you funny. I don't answer you more because if you're at my house, it means that everything there is for you to enjoy. So shut up and enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? So, amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. Pray for us this week. I got a phone call this morning. A soldier was killed last night. So I have a really busy week this week. And so this is on top of it. And um, so we'll be heading up to uh, uh, meet with the family and then do the funeral and... So I got it just I hate funerals, man. I hate them. I love weddings. I hate funerals. So pray for me this week. Uh, I'll need your prayers this week for that. I just I hate I've done too many. We've done since 2020, the beginning of COVID. This is now my 28th or 29th funeral. I haven't done one COVID related funeral. Not one. So tired of funerals. I've done more funerals in three years than most pastors do in their life as a pastor. It's crazy. And so I know the other chaplain in the military, over half of them have been soldiers. And so, and we know them, small military. I know the other pastors very burned out too. So the other chaplain. So just pray that we have the joy of the Lord in it and we have the right words to speak to the family and that this week. So if you'll pray for me this week, that will be amazing. And then uh, anything you need, just give us a call. We'll do what we can do back here. Right? Love you guys.